Hello, everyone, and welcome to Secret Keepers Club. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. So happy to have you here. As always, my name is Carly Aquilino. Hope you're all doing well on your little other end of the pond. And I'm excited for this episode. I have something that I want to chit chat chat with you guys about that we didn't talk about last week. And I have a bunch of emails that you all sent into secretkeepersclub at gmail.com. So we're going to get into it. So this first thing that I wanted to talk about is kind of like a true crime story that is unfolding right before our eyes. And I forgot to mention it last week because there were a lot of things I wanted to chat with you guys about last week. And I guess it just slipped my mind. But then a few of you had emailed me saying, girl, how did you not talk about this? This story is right up your alley. Like, I want to know your thoughts on it. So I thought by this time, something else would have happened in the case and I would have been able to, you know, give you a little update or something. I thought they would have found the guy by now. But so here's here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Gabby Petito case, right? I'm sure a lot of you, the majority of you probably already know about this. But for those of you that don't, I'll give you a brief rundown. There was something that had gone viral a few weeks ago. And I'm sure while I'm trying to explain this, there's going to be things that I leave out because there's a lot of twists and turns. There's a lot of wacky things that happen that are kind of suspicious. But if I get to all of that, the the podcast is going to be 40 hours long, right? So I'm going to try and just do the, the main points here and what we know. So this girl, Gabby, and her boyfriend or fiance, whatever he is, were doing this kind of van living, travel, hiking thing. Okay. I don't even know how to really explain it, but they were traveling. They were going to different campsites. You know, they were like camping people and she goes quote unquote missing. But before that there was a 911 call, I guess for a domestic dispute, the cops come. And then we have all that footage that we've all seen. Um, if you're familiar with what's going on, uh, they had the body cam footage of the cops. And really what it was, was they interviewed the both of them. She was, I mean, and I'm not a professional psychiatrist, psychologist by any means. So I'm just saying what I thought about the whole thing. She was exhibiting behavior in my opinion, of somebody who's been abused physically, mentally, everything. She was hunched over. She was crying. She could barely catch her breath while she was talking. And I don't know if it's because I know what happened after, but I did kind of just by watching it, get this feeling that she was holding something back that she didn't say. There was something that she wanted to mention, but she was protecting her boyfriend, right? So it was really interesting to see the behavior, the, the kind of like in the juxtaposition between the both of them, between her, who was hysterical and him, who was kind of brushing it off, really calm, nonchalant, kind of making it like, oh, this is a hysterical woman kind of thing, which is also a sign of abusive or sociopath behavior, in my opinion. I mean, I didn't go to school for this, right? But I think that she was protecting him in whatever way. Maybe, who knows, maybe he was being abusive. Maybe she knew something she shouldn't have known. And because she kept circling it back. And this is why I say I feel she was mentally abused as well, you know, psychological, because she kept turning it around and going, I'm really a lot. 
I'm OCD. I have these problems and I just want everything to be clean. So she was taking all of the blame and putting it on herself. Right. And this guy's just like, yeah, man, I don't really know, whatever. So anywho, the timeline gets a little, a little dicey after that. He goes home without her. Okay. And he's home for a few days before she is reported missing because her parents reported her missing after they hadn't heard from her for a few days. Now, there's also some type of speculation that he was actually texting the parents from her phone for a few days. So nobody really knows how long this girl was missing before it was even reported. But his story was, and and the cops never really spoke to the guy, but the story that we all heard was they got into a fight. He left her there. He went home. And that was it. He didn't know what happened. But fast forward to now, the guy is missing. We don't know where he is because after this whole case blew up and they were searching for her, which they ended up finding her, which is so tragic and so sad. She was such a young girl and it's just a heartbreaking situation for for anyone to even hear about. It's it's so, so sad. But they found her body um, and they were they went to go question the guy. They finally had a warrant out for his arrest, which to me, I, I don't understand the legal system. I don't understand why this wasn't from day one. You know, you would think that they would have this kid in from day one. But um, his parents had called a few days later, called the police over to the house and said, oh, we haven't seen him. There is a whole nother part of the story where he drove a van somewhere and the parents then a few days later went to go pick the van up. But they have an excuse for that. So everyone's kind of involved in a shady way. So to me, I want to know what you guys think about it. I'm about to ask a question in a little bit that I'm curious your answer for, because I've been thinking about this a lot. So the cops come to the house. They say we haven't seen our son. So nobody knows when he left, how far he could have gotten or where he could be. I know that they're focusing on some very heavily wooded area in Florida. I know that there's been helicopters over there, um, but they haven't got the guy yet. So the parents don't, they, they say they don't know. And they're maintaining innocence. They don't know where he could be. He said he was going hiking and then he never came back, which is all a load of shit because they went to go pick up the fucking car, right? This guy has no cell phone on him. They can't track him. Um, you know, they, they, they're just, he's on the run. He's missing. So here's the thing. I think that the parents know everything. I think he came home to them. He said, this is what happened. I personally think that, uh, you know, it was something where it was kind of an accident and then he panicked. I think he killed her on accident and he panicked. To me, there's no other person that that could have hurt this girl. I think it was 100% him. But I think he flipped out. He went home after, you know, leaving her, leaving her body there. He went home and told his parents what happened. I think they said, leave, get a few day head start. We'll take care of it and helped him kind of cover the tracks a little bit. So that's what I think happened. And here's my question to you as a parent, what would you do if your kid came to you and confessed that they murdered someone? Because I've been thinking a lot about this, right? And I know just kind of, you know, 
people would do anything for their kids. I mean, honestly, I, I hate to circle everything back to this case, but look at what happened to John Benet Ramsey. My theory is that the brother did it. He told the mom, the mom covered it up and then, and everybody's kept their mouth shut since. Um, so these, these things happen, but to me, it, I maybe would have looked at things from another perspective if this guy wasn't missing, if he would have just gone home and even still gone with the story of, oh, we got into a fight and I came home. I don't know what happened to her after that. I think he would have had kind of like a little bit of a chance of having people believe him. Um, but since he's got no phone, he's wandering around, nobody knows where he is and he's missing. I'm taking that as a hundred percent an admission of guilt for the simple fact that if somebody that you love goes missing, you're around, you're trying to help. You're, you're joining the search party. Sorry. My, my fat cat is running through a tunnel right now behind me. So I think that he would be way more involved in the case and we would actually, you know, contrary to what's happening now, be seeing a lot of him. But going back to my question here, if your kids come to you, because here's my thoughts on it, right? And I'm not a parent, so I'm just doing what I, I'm saying what I think. So in this scenario, you have two options, obviously, you know, encourage them to go to the police and turn themselves in or help them cover it up or help them run away. To me, this whole thing was handled, I mean, it's so silly because the route that they chose, which was have him run and never come back, you know, you may never speak to or see your kid again. Who knows if they'll find him? Who knows where he could be? They, they may not, they may not find him. You know, I, 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 I think they're going to, and I think they maybe already know where he is personally. Um, but say they don't. You're then never talking to your kid again, never seeing them and having that worry and that burden when the other option would be, oh, my son's in jail, you know, taking out the fact that it's just ethically and morally the right thing to do is, is to, you know, fess up, turn yourself in and deal with the consequences. So that's what I would do in this situation. I would encourage them to go to the police because the longer you run, when you find them, it's going to be a lot harder to try and look innocent. It's the right thing to do. And even though as a parent, I would never want anything, you know, tragic to happen to my kid. I think as a parent on the other end of the spectrum, I would feel for her family more than I would feel for my kid. It's like, no, you made this mistake. You did this. You know, her parents aren't going to sleep at night. So I think that my heart would go more towards them. And at least if the guy goes to jail, eh, you know where he is. And he did a bad thing and he needs to pay the piper now. I, I don't think, you know, I tried to see it from their perspective where they're like, just run and go and go. Is that a life? He's living the rest of his life in fear that he's going to get caught. And you're here, you know, worrying about his whereabouts and what, when the day is going to come where you find out where he is, because there's no way they could reach out to each other. There's no way they could see each other. They're being like tailed. I'm sure their phones are tapped. I'm sure they got all the shit going on that we don't even know about. So I would make him fess up or, you know what? I mean, you know, you could also call the cops to come to the house before you even really, you know, go down there. You could just say, I'm, you know, I'll call the cops when this kid's taking a shit or something, 
And then the cops show up and he's bamboozled by his mom. But guess what? As a parent, I don't think I would be able to sleep at night knowing that my kid was responsible for ruining so many lives. And I would feel better about that than the other scenario. You know, going back to JonBenet Ramsey and what happened with her, they had an alibi. They, you know, that, that, uh, and I, I'm speaking of things as if they're matter of fact, they're not. But in my theory of John Bonet, which I've spoken about 5 billion times, and I'm so sorry. But um, in that scenario, they had an alibi. They had a story that they were going with that they never really switched from. Um, and that was how they covered the whole thing up. But you guys, it's tough. It's a tough thought. You know, it's, it's tragic for everyone involved, except for this kid. I don't feel bad for him. I think that I think that they're going to find him. Um, and it's so crazy. I'm sure a lot of you saw this video that's gone viral. Oh, so let me know what you think about that. Let me know what you would do as a parent, because I would I would make the kid fess up. Um. But that you guys have seen this video that's gone viral of Dog the Bounty Hunter looking for him. And I know a lot of people were laughing about it. I saw that video. And listen, I don't know how much on TV was real, but Dog the Bounty Hunter, watch Dog the Bounty Hunter find this fucking guy. Watch him do that because Dog the Bounty Hunter found everyone. This man was just the best he was the best at his damn job. And if anyone could find him, it's it's Dog the Bounty Hunter. If any bounty hunter can find him, it's Dog. That man's hair has grown so long, too. It's like down to his ass cheeks. I'm like, Jesus Christ, get a trim. But I really, I know people laugh because he looks kind of like Hulk Hogan vibes, right? They're just kind of characters to look at. But girl, Dog the Bounty Hunter is really good at his job. He is. I don't know if you watch his show. I loved him. I loved his wife, Beth. She was so wonderful. So sad. What a sad story. But I think that, you know, people were saying, oh, why is he knocking on this kid's door? The kid's obviously not there. And it's like, no, if you saw the damn show, they have to start from square freaking one. But I don't know if you guys even used to watch the show, because if so, you may remember when this man went to Mexico and found a convict and found a convict. And what was so cool about him was he never treated these people, you know, he scared the shit out of them because he's a huge guy and he he was not taking no for an answer, but he, he would treat these people like they were just regular people. You know, I think he went to jail for a few years himself. So I really liked that he didn't treat them like, you know, pieces of shit. He would talk to them. He would be like, all right, brother, you know? With his raspy ass voice, he is frightening. He is frightening. But my theory on where this guy Brian is, I think that he had way longer of a head start than we even think. And I don't think he's in the country anymore. In my humble opinion. I mean, what do I know? But I don't think he's in the country anymore. But what's so wild to me is... You know, this guy's by himself. He's very alone right now. How is he eating? Where is he going? What, like, he's got, he has to have been somewhere. 
How does he have money? If he's on the run, is he trying to just live in the woods forever? Because I think that's the type of schmuck we're dealing with here. So he's either in the woods in Florida where he's been, you know, where he was dropped off or he's in a whole nother country. I think he might be in Mexico if or Canada, wherever the hell he is. But how would he have gotten there? He has such a distinct um, look. He's like a bald, skinny white guy. You know, and everybody has this guy's face ingrained in their brains right now. Somebody's going to spot him if he's out at a gas station, if he's trying to No, they're going to see him. So maybe he is just in the woods. But I personally think I think he ran, ran, ran. And I think he was long gone before we even knew about it, which would be such a shame. But I really do believe that they're going to they're going to get him. They're going to get him. And also to bring it back to Dog the Bounty Hunter. If anything ever happens to me, I want Dog the Bounty Hunter very present, very present, because he'll just be like, oh, that please. You know. But anywho, let me let me know what you guys think about that. I um I would make the kid I would make the kid give it up. It would probably be easy to do as well. You know, I would assume after something like that happens, you're extremely just kind of scared. And if your parents were to say you have to turn yourself in, I think that you would kind of just go with it. But what an idiot move. What an idiot move. Way to make yourself look so guilty. But anywho, shout out to Dog the Bounty Hunter, you guys. Um, I love that man. I would marry him. I would marry him. I can never be Beth. I can never live up to that, but I would marry him. So, all right, let's get into these uh, questions that you guys sent into secretkeepersclub at gmail.com. Got a good little, got a good little bunch this week. You guys can always send in questions. All right, let's get into this one. This one says so embarrassing. I love that you guys are still sending in embarrassing things because it's weirdly gone viral in the last week or so. People talking about what makes them feel embarrassed. And I'm like, oh, that's so weird. Sometimes stuff like that happens. And I don't think it's because of this podcast, but we'll talk about something. And then like the next day, there will be like a viral tweet or TikTok posted. And it's, and then, I see it or people send it to me and I'm like, oh, that's so weird. We were just talking about that. But anyway, you heard it here first, you guys. So this one says so embarrassing. Hey, Carly, fellow New Yorker, cat lover and a big fan. Ooh, thank you so much. Um, smooches to the babies, Robert and Stanley. Thank you. Uh, why is turning around and walking back from your turn in bowling so embarrassing? <laughs> Wait, bowling in general is embarrassing. You're right. Oh my God. I'm just picturing it and it's making me so embarrassed. Wait, going bowling in general is very embarrassing. You guys, Uh, can I be honest? Playing most sports and doing activities like that is embarrassing, but bowling, especially it's like, because it's really a one man show when it's your turn, you're going up by yourself. Everyone's watching you because everyone's just waiting for their turn and they want to make sure that they're beating you still. Right. Because everybody beats me when I go, when I go bowling, I got a, I got an eight once when I went bowling for the whole game, I got an eight. Um, so people love going bowling with me because I will not hit a pin to save my damn life. But yeah, 
turning and walking back. I know because you almost feel obligated uh, since it is a, a one man show at that point, you feel obligated to do some type of a move when you spin back around and walk towards the table, right? It could be finger guns if you did well, or just a spin. I mean, doing a spin, it's, it's necessary when you go bowling. I was always very jealous of people who are good at bowling. That's kind of a cool thing to be good at. Oh, and then she says, um, see attached pic of, of Max. Oh, she has the cutest cat. Stop. No, because the cat is sleeping like on her face. He's a baby. I love him. <gasps> Guys, I want more cats. I want more cats. My boys had a, had a little play date here the other day. And they had so much fun. They were just like, I want to have cats come here as play dates more often. I have a friend that, um, I have a friend that, uh, his cat, he like brings his cat around with him. Like he's, his cat is just very cool like that. Um, and he brought him here, but it was a hairless cat. So the, the thing looks like a, the COVID bat. Okay. He's got no hair. He's all wrinkly. He's looks like a little gremlin, like a gargoyle. And, but he's cute in like a very disturbing way, but he's a very cool cat, those Sphinx cats. Um, and he's sweet. He's really playful. He's so much fun. He's really cute. And so my friend brought him here and I thought, oh, I, I literally, and I feel guilty for even saying this to him, but I said, I think my, I think Robert might kill him because he's going to think it's a big rat, you know, because that does not look like a cat to my boys. My boys have never seen anything like this before. I said, so enter at your own risk at this point. And they really were so confused by it. Like the, the cats running around being so funny. And like, he was, he was having the time of his life. Cause I have so many toys and he was running around and blah, blah, blah. My cats were like, just staring at him from afar, but following him around, he would go into another room. They would like creepy, creepily follow him and stare at him. I'm like, guys, play, you freaks. But I just thought that was so cute. And now I want to have more play dates with uh, other animals with them because they're sweet. But oh my God, you guys, before I get to the next email, I'm going to give you a little hint. If you have cats, especially, or dogs, or, or some type of an animal that has small toys. Yesterday, I get out of the shower and Robert's staring under my oven. And I'm like, oh my God, what the hell is under there? Right. Because anytime a cat like goes to a specific part of the room, you're like, what the fuck is there? Is it a bug? Is it a mouse? What could it possibly be? So I'm freaking out. And I go and I look under the oven, which I really I can't lie to you. I never look like deep under the oven. Um, you know, I clean under there. I wipe under there just like very like in the front of it. I don't look far behind, but I flash my flashlight. And when I tell you there was 40 toys under my damn oven. Robert has these, his favorite toys, these little springs. They're just like these little, you buy a pack of them. They're like little cat toys. They're springs and he will play with them all nonstop. But I always make jokes to my friend. I'm like, they disappear in like a day. I never know where the hell they are. Well, they were all under my damn oven. So I had a pile. I got a hanger and I was scooping and scooping everything out from all the way back there. And one of them was like this little ball that he had when he was a baby. So it's like, I mean, there was so much shit back there. And I'm like, oh my God, how freaking psychotic are these cats that I think that they do it on purpose? 
but so look under your oven for the toys. I guarantee you, you guys are going to find some shit under your oven. Robert also likes bottle caps. There was like 20 bottle caps. I swear animals are really, they're really freaks. Okay. This one says work sucks. I know. Oh God. What a song. Hey, Carly, thanks for creating the Secret Keepers Club community. I started listening during the pandemic and it has made me laugh and smile on tough days. I love hearing your advice to others. So now it's my turn to ask for some advice myself. Oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm 33 years old and a vice president of a marketing for a technology company. I started this job back in December, so I've been there about nine months. In theory, this is a dream job that I've worked towards for the last 15 years. I'm fairly young to be in this role, and I'm proud to be leading a global team with a lot of responsibility. And I'm making about $30,000 more than I was in my last role. Okay, but I kind of hate it, and it's taking a real toll on my mental health. While I like a lot of my team members, my boss and other executives are super intense and constantly giving conflicting feedback and direction. I've always been a top performer at work, and now I feel like I'm not meeting my boss's expectations due to a lack of direction and culture that creates a ton of confusion. As a result, my mental health has suffered and I'm completely burnt out. My anxiety has spiked and I have had a few big breakdowns over the last few months. I'm a tough person and last Sunday I started complaining to my husband about the job and I cried on and off for three hours, something I don't think I've ever done. So here are my options. Number one, admit failure, say fuck it and start looking for another job. Number two, know that I'm not going to be perfect at this job and just do my best for at least another six months or so before making a decision, let things roll off my back and try to improve my work-life balance. Or three, commit to three more months of balls to the walls, hard work and positive attitude, and then reassess the situation after that time or something else. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So not meeting expectations is taking quite a toll on me and making me want um, to make really reckless decisions like quitting and going to work at freaking lows or something. Well, thank you for listening. This was therapeutic. Oh, well, I'm sorry you're going through this. This is a tough thing, right? Because you like have your dream job, but there's always going to be, I remember when I was young, I think I've told this, I use this anecdote quite a bit, but I was young and I was working in a restaurant and my boss was so fucking mean. He was such an asshole. He was this little short Italian fucking guy And he was such an asshole and he would talk to me like I was an idiot. And he was so his family worked there and they were all these like dirtbag guys like, oh, and but they were all mean because I was young and they knew I would run around and do everything. And what was my other option here? I was like 13, 14 years old. I wasn't even legally like on the you know, I wasn't even on the books. So. I remember telling my dad, like, oh my God, my boss is so mean. I want to quit. I hate my job. And this is a very oversimplified way of thinking about it. I understand because now we're adults and you're doing a really serious job. This was me when I was a freaking busboy at a restaurant. But my dad said, something you're going to learn in your life is that everywhere you go, there's always going to be an asshole. Everywhere you work, there's going to be an asshole. There's going to be somebody you don't get along with. And the best thing you could do is go in, do your job the best that you can and cash your checks, right? You you don't need to make friends and blah, blah, blah. So I understand that, of course, now you're working in a corporate job. You have way more responsibility and I'm in no way comparing my experience to yours. But I always take that advice 
um, with me when I notice certain things, it's kind of just like, well, I'm doing the best that I possibly can. So if this isn't enough for you, then there's nothing else I could do. You know, then there's nothing else you need to think about. So if it were me, because I know that this is taking a toll on your mental health and I never want to see that because that's a very real thing. And it's really, really sad when that's happening, because it's like, you know, when you, when you hate your job or when you, when your job stresses you out, um, I think that it's like a recurring nightmare, right? Because you wake up, you got to wake up on Monday and go back into the office. And it's just like every single day you're kind of living in this, you know, uh, what, what am I trying to say? You know what I'm saying? You're living in this like repetition. Um, so if it were me, I would give myself a time frame, but also be doing the background work, which is try to find another job. I would keep going to work and doing the best that I can and seeing maybe something will improve, but you shouldn't quit your job unless you have another job lined up. Um, in my opinion, you know, because then what if that you are going for interviews and nobody's hiring and you know how it is. So if it were me, I would be doing interviews um, on the side, but also just still going to work. And that way you're not desperate for a job. That way you're not desperate. Like, oh my God, I'll just take whatever I can get at this point, because then you're going to end up miserable. You're going to end up taking some shit that you don't really want, or that's not paying you as much, or it's not the job that you really care about. So I would do both. I would say, fuck it. I'm going to start interviewing at other places. I hope I can find a place that better suits me, but also just keep, keep, keep it going for a little bit. And I hope that helps in some way. You know, some things I really have no, (laughs) I have no right to speak on. And I feel like that's one of them because it's like, girl, you go to work at 10 PM. You know, I, I, I know that I'm not in that world, but I can see it from your perspective because guess what? Everybody else I know has, has jobs, you know? Okay. Let's get to this next one. Okay. This says need landlord help. Uh, wait. So the title is landlord breaking and entering need landlord help. I was at work the other day and my ring notification went off and I saw my landlord mail unlocking my front door and entering. Uh Oh, Luckily, I have a ring camera inside for when I'm not there on weekends sometimes. And he was walking all around my kitchen and was there for way too long. I called my landlord, female, his wife, and she was so unapologetic. She said, he didn't have your number. I'm running errands, but it wasn't an emergency. He was looking at a pipe in my bathroom. I'm weirded out. I feel like it's a violation of my privacy. What would you do? I looked at my lease and there's a weird section about security cameras and how I'm not allowed to have a nanny cam. So I'm afraid to confront them about the situation. I could have been naked in the shower, anything. I'm so disturbed. In addition, they told me last week that they are selling the house. I live in the basement of a house. They told me they can't guarantee the next landlord can keep everything the same, rent, et cetera. So I just kind of impulsively took that as a reason to move. I've only lived here one year, but I really made it my own. I painted, I bought new shades, et cetera, and I'm pretty disappointed. I feel like I gave them an upgrade to sell. On the other hand, my commute is pretty rough. And although I didn't have plans for my next spot and I need to start packing, my lease ends October 31st, I'm kind of taking this as everything happens for a reason situation. 
what would you do in my position? Can't wait to see you October 9th. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Me and Jesse are in, I think we're, I think both shows are, are sold out October 9th. So thank you guys so much. Um, and we're going to be on the road all next year. We got a lot of things coming up that we're about to announce, which is really exciting. Uh, okay. So I would raise hell if this happened, because why are you in my damn house? Why are you in my house? To me, the them having this rule of no nanny cams almost seems like to protect them. Um, I'm trying to think because this is like, you know, I would say raise hell, but then it's like you're you're moving anyway. Um, you know, they could have whatever they want in this lease, but I really do feel like the tenant has way uh way more rights um that are just the law you know, the housing laws. So I'm sure that if you told them, listen, I know you were in my apartment, but then what's the end game there? I mean, you're moving out anyway, so it's kind of hard. Um, but I know you're moving out October 31st, girl, you better not pay the damn rent on, on the first. And if they don't give you your security deposit back, you go, okay, I have footage of you in my house for no reason, because I don't know where you live, but in New York, there's some type of a rule where they cannot enter your apartment unless you know about, unless you sign off on it, like say, okay. Or if there's an emergency, whether it be, you know, a leak or something like that happening. Um, but they have to let you know that's not okay. You know, if it's an emergency, it's an emergency and, and you do what you got to do. And, and that's understandable. But to me, there's, there's nobody should be in your apartment without you knowing it. Um, I guess I would just start looking at other places and girl, take this as like you said, and everything happens for a reason situation. I have kind of a similar, not similar, but uh, a story about. So you guys know my parents bought a house in Connecticut a little over a year ago, maybe two years ago now. Um, when they sold my childhood home, they bought like a house that they've been using for the weekends over in Connecticut. It's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Okay. Um, but it was a beautiful house. They loved it. I loved it, you know, and they would go there for the weekends because during the week they're taking care of my grandma and my, and my nephew and whatever. So I know I haven't mentioned this yet on this podcast. I know I mentioned it on the Patreon, but and, and there's a few reasons why I didn't mention it on here. I didn't want to worry anyone. And I would rather come with uh, good news, which I now have. So I know I, so, you know, there's a reason why I didn't say anything about it. It's just a, a wide reach. And sometimes you just got to be careful. But so a few months ago, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and he's fine now, but, um, when that happened, they were thinking about selling their house in Connecticut because uh, for a million different reasons, it's far away. He was going to have to go to all these doctor's appointments. And, you know, he was thinking worst case scenario, if God forbid something were to happen with him, he was like, I don't want to leave, you know, you the burden of this house. So fast forward to now he's gone through chemo. He just got his biopsy results back a couple of weeks ago and he's cancer free. He has to go through one more and thank God, right? Um, he has to go through one more uh, round of chemotherapy for three weeks and then he's done. You know, he just has to go to the checkups for a couple of years. But anywho, so they were thinking about selling this house. They didn't put it on the market. They mentioned it in passing months ago to this realtor. 
And right after they get the biopsy results back, the realtor comes back and says, somebody saw your house and wants to buy it. And this house was not up for damn sale. And at this point, they knew he was cancer free. So they're going, oh, we're going to, they didn't even think about it. But they offered more money. Um, and, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever, whatever it could be, they were going to pay for it in cash. They were buying, you know, they offered more money than what they paid. And um, my parents had this thing of like, oh, well, do we really want to sell it now? Because now you're good. We're not going to have to do these treatments constantly all the time. We're going to not going to have to be back in New York all the time, whatever. And they weren't sure they, it was like kind of a, one of those things, those funny things in life where it's like, oh, well, circumstances have changed now, but they decided my dad was here the other day and we were talking about it. And he was like, you know, it was a tough call to make uh, because they both love that house. But he said, we decided to do it. And I said to him the same thing. I said, I feel like you're going to understand why this happened later on. And I think it's for a positive reason. So it's, you know, it could be maybe you find another place that's way better for you, or uh, it's closer to home, or it's in a better, you know, location where there's not, where you don't have to travel fucking, you know, two hours to get to a goddamn target. Because that's my complaint. If you're going to live in the suburbs, live near a fucking target. Because why else, why else live there then? Oh, you want nature? Get the fuck out of here. Okay. But anywho, so there's, they, they sold it. They sold it to these people. Um, I think that it was, it was a handful for them to deal with. And I think they just didn't, don't want the headache. Um, and you know, and who knows where it'll take them, but the same thing I'm saying to, I said to them, I'm going to say to you, which is, I think this is just life taking you in a different direction. And, and the only way to see what direction that is and what you're going to end up doing um, is to just go with it, go with the flow. I wouldn't want to live in this apartment with this freak anyway. Okay, this guy's a creep. This guy's a psycho. So that's my advice to you. And we'll see my parents, you know, we'll see where my, what my parents end up doing. Because I'm like, hey, what are you going to do? Dude, we don't know. Okay, freaks. Okay. So this says, no life drama, mostly just want to know about the Theragun and share embarrassments. <laughs> Hi, Carly, your podcast is literally like listening to phone calls between me and my best friend. We talk the same shit. I love it. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, please try the Theragun and report back. I kind of want one, but they're so expensive. I need an honest review to influence my purchase. Also, your advice is always spot the fuck on. Also, my embarrassing feeling is when I get off the train and I start walking the wrong way and I commit to walk all the way around the block. Girl, I do this every day. Uh, because I, I'm convinced people are judging me a hundred percent. That happens to me every single day. Also times three, I'm glad it's fall. Def the best clothes season. Can't wait to wear sweaters and for my hair to not be frizzy. I tried to think of a fuck, Mary kill whiskey, beer, and wine. I feel like that's kind of weak, but I wanted to put, provide value in my email. Um, okay. So something's going on with my Vimeo. So I haven't been able, my, uh, my Patreon, uh, videos haven't been uploading. Hopefully this is all going to get sorted out tomorrow. Uh, 
because the last time I heard from the Patreon, uh, the Vimeo support team was Friday night late. So I figured, oh, I'm not going to hear from them for the weekend, but hopefully it'll be fixed by Monday. Anywho, I recorded a video of me kind of unboxing all of the things that uh, I got from that Madison Square Garden show and in the video, which didn't upload yet, but I will upload it. Uh, I tried the gosh darn Theragun. And when I tell you, it's a strong boy. It's like, ow. Um, it's very powerful on the lowest setting. I tried it in the video really briefly. And I just put on, ow, ow, ow. And then last night I had a little crick in my neck and I said, oh, let me try my Theragun, you know, again, maybe it'll, no, it's not for me, girl. It's not for me. That's going to be, I'm going to have to give that to someone because it's too powerful. It's way too powerful. I don't know though. Maybe there's a way that you can try one. And I also don't know their return policy. Maybe you could, you could try it out and then give it back. But I always heard the best things about it. And I was so excited, like, Ooh, this is really nice, but it's just like, like, it's really strong, too strong for me. Nobody needs that. Uh, before we get to these next emails, we do have a sponsor for this episode. Let's get it, girl. I'm very excited about this. Okay, so Secret Keepers Club is very excited to welcome a new sponsor, Nutrafol. Ladies, I know that we don't think it's going to happen to us, but some of us are losing our hair and you don't even know it. 30 million women experience weakened or thinning hair, but thousands of women have taken control of their hair with Nutrafol. Improve hair growth with less shedding um, through all stages of life. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. See, now this is something I was really, really excited about when I found out they wanted to sponsor the podcast because one of my friends uses this and has for quite some time. And she has just really thick, gorgeous hair and she swears by it. So it was one of those things always in the back of my head, like, oh, I should try that. I should try that. Just how we have these things. And then they sent me a few bottles. So I'm on my first bottle. It really, I, you know, I always want to say, I don't know if it's like placebo because, but I really do notice a difference in my hair already. I know that you're supposed to see the results after like three months or so of using it, but it really, I feel like my hair is thicker and more full. And I'm telling you, my friend too is like a poster child for this stuff. I really, really do believe that. So Nutrafol is a physician formulated to be 100% drug-free, only natural clinically effective botanicals in here. Oh, that was also a thing that I wanted to talk to you about. So I've taken vitamins before that are for, uh, you know, hair growth, right? The stuff you buy at the pharmacy or the, you know, just like the health store, whatever. And they always make my skin break out. I don't know why I never got to the bottom of that, but this has not caused any breakouts for me, which to me is like, oh, I'll definitely take it. And I'll definitely stick with it because most things I've taken, I've had to stop doing it just for that reason in particular. So it didn't make me break out, which is good. So it works by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and your metabolism. It's easy to get help. Visit Nutrafol.com and take their hair wellness quiz for customized product recommendations. When you subscribe, you'll receive 
monthly deliveries so you never miss a dose. Does it work? Yes. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months, more than 1,500 top doctors recommended it. You may also notice improvements to your overall well-being, including a restful sleep, less stress, better skin, nails, and libido. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. Well, I didn't notice that because I don't have a boyfriend. But if I did, I would report back to you. Grow thicker, healthier hair and support the show by going to Nutrafol.com and use promo code SECRET. New customers get $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer available anywhere and only available to U.S.-based customers for a limited time. Plus, get free shipping on every order. Take $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, dot com promo code secret stand up for your strands and get neutral so as you guys know i have not done a i have not done a sponsorship in a while thank you so much for neutral for sponsoring the party so i was a little i was a little janky i was a little janky and i love um we're shout out to Fanny. There's a, there's a girl that's working with us on, on ads now. And I absolutely love her because she knows what my girlies, she's very, uh, she knows what I like. So hair stuff, we got a bunch of fun sponsorships coming up. So thanks. Thanks to her. And thank you to Nutrafol. I love you very much. So, okay. So let's get to this next question. It says one random question and dead ass the most embarrassing thing you could do. Oh God, what's the most embarrassing thing? Hey girl, been listening since day one. Love you and the cats. Oh, well, thank you so much. Okay, question. If an ex gave you a piece of jewelry that's become a staple in your wardrobe, should you take it off when you get a new serious partner? I have a gold ring for my ex that I love and I never take it off. It doesn't remind me of him and it doesn't mean anything other than it's real and looks cute on my fingy. I live with my new boyfriend now and I know he's noticed the ring that I wear every day, but I haven't mentioned that it's from my ex-boyfriend. I feel like it would hurt his feelings. I'm not going to tell him unless I ask, unless he asks where it's from, but it kind of feels like lying by omission. Should I just put the ring in a box and forget about it? Um, no. To me, what he doesn't know won't hurt him. Right. If he brings it up and he says this hurts my feelings, then you stop wearing it, you know. But to me, he doesn't know. He doesn't know that guy bought you that ring. I'm assuming it's not a ring that says, like, I love you with hearts all over it. It's fine. It's just a regular ring. You know, if you did say something, it would hurt his feelings. It might hurt his feelings or it might feel like you think you're doing something wrong. I would just see if he ends up saying something to you about it, just say, oh my God, I didn't even think, I'm, I'm really sorry. I didn't even think that that would be offensive to you, but I don't know if he's going to care. You know, he might not even care at all. Um, I'm trying to think if I, if I had a boyfriend, <laughs> imagine if I had a boyfriend and he had something that his ex gave him, it wouldn't bother me. I don't care. I would just be like, okay, cool. I would just probably get him a nicer thing so that he stops wearing it if it bothered me. <laughs> but I would never even tell him that it bothered me, but I really don't think it would. I would just be like, okay, cool. I don't think it matters. It doesn't mean you still love the person or you're thinking about them. It's just whatever, you know? Uh, I would keep it and just keep wearing it. And if it, if it bothers him, you stop, but I think it's fine. 
And then she says, most embarrassing thing on earth, getting out of the back seat of a car. I cringe when I have to duck my head and figure out how to plant my feet on a solid surface without tumbling out. God forbid I'm rolling up to an event in a dress. I'd rather a razor scooter. Brad Pitt couldn't make crawling out of the back of an Uber smooth. I would have said the rock, but there's no way you can get him into the back row of a car. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. It's so true. Um, see, I don't know that this has, hold on. So getting out of a car, see, I would think getting into the car is more embarrassing. And the reason why is because people are going to see your butt. People are going to see your butt, especially if you're wearing a dress, people are going to see your butt. So really anyone being behind you ever in any situation is embarrassing to me. Like it's embarrassing. Okay. But I could see it. I could see it. I think getting into the car is more embarrassing, but getting out, I could see, especially if there's people around and they see you. Oh my God. And I really do never smoothly do it. I keep getting the last like few Ubers I called. There are those minivans where they shut the door. They open the door like with a button in the damn car. And it freaks me out every time. And, I, and I'm always standing outside the Uber like, do you want me to shut it or do you want to shut it? And they're like, ma'am, please get away from the car. Get away from the vehicle. Okay. So this next one says, how do I make my boyfriend's mom not be jealous of me? Hey, Carly and the kitty cats. I'm pretty new to the club. Couldn't stop listening to previous episodes. Girl, you make me laugh so freaking hard. You are so cute. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that very much. Okay. So this is going to be a long story. My boyfriend and I have been together for eight years. He's 14 years older than me. His mother is in her mid sixties and is married to a man 15 years, her junior. He's super chill and pretty much my man's best friend. So he spills all the tea. And lately he's been bitching about how they haven't had sex in over a year because she's always nagging. Uh oh. This feels like something we shouldn't know. Okay. She's always been sweet to me, but very traditional and a bit prudy lately and gets a little rowdy after a couple of drinks in her. Relatable. I like her. Always pushing us to get married and have kids. Some normal shit that boomers do. Whatever. That's never bothered me. Fast forward to Labor Day weekend. We were all hanging out with them uh, on their new boat. Oh, they have a boat having a good old time, but girl, she is so jealous of me all of a sudden. And it is so damn obvious. It's so awkward. Okay. So I did get a boob job since I have last seen her and I'm in the best shape of my life. And knowing that I'm sorry. And knowing that she has not made love with her boyfriend for so long, I guess I could see why she feels so intimidated, but this bitch has the nerve to cover my ass with a towel. Every time it was in her husband's point of view, I'm not even exaggerating. It was so fucking awkward. And she had the nerve to tell me that a one piece has always looked classier than a trashy string bikini. What? The last string was that she started to talk shit about my boob. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. She started to, to talk shit about boob jobs. Then I just jumped into my paddle board and paddled the fuck away. So I didn't get off on this clearly insecure woman. Uh, Cause honestly, I do have empathy for older women. Scratch that. Any women that feel threatened by me uh, cause it is something that they've been, that's been engraved in us at a very young age and to judge one another and always compare each other and what we simply can't control. Sometimes I felt more bad for her, um, than mad, but after some tequila shots, I knew the confrontation wouldn't be worth it. This all just sucks balls. Next morning, she didn't say shit and acted like she had the best time of her life, but it was truly cringeworthy for me. And my man laughed about it so hard on our trip back. 
honestly, I never want to go through this again. Should I prevent jealousy from it never happening again? Uh, I mean, do I really have any control over this? Should I say something next time or should I just wear a fucking one piece? Ha ha help. <laughs> and then she says, yours truly hot girl for 2069. Well, good for you, sister. Okay. So here's the thing. This is so fucking weird. <laughs> here's the thing. This is so, I know that these things happen all the time. I think it's very common for mothers of their, you know, of men to be jealous of their men's wives, girlfriends, whatever. There's some weird shit that goes on. And this is not all mothers, but I've met people in my life where I'm like, you guys have a very strange thing, you know? So I think that it's common that women are jealous of their son's wives for whatever reason, because they love their son and whatever. I don't know. The whole thing is just a little bit creepy to me. But to make specific remarks about your body, whether it's covering you up with a towel or talking about, the, you know, your bathing suit or saying something about people who have breast implants, it's just passing a boundary that it should never really be crossed because now it's just like, it's so cringy. It's so cringy. Also, I don't need to know, you know, if I'm you, like, I don't need to know that this woman's not banging her man. You know, if I'm you, it, it seems like there's a lot of boundary issues within this family between the boyfriend. He, oh, yeah, he's cool. He's a friend. All right. Still. Hey, dude, you're banging. You're banging moms over there. So there's certain things that we shouldn't talk about. But you can't prevent it from happening again. This is something that she really needs to take care of. I'm not going to say dress different or whatever. I think from now on, if she does say something to you, which I'm sure she will again, because it seems like this really pissed her off. Um, you know, I think that you just laugh it off. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, she's a weirdo. She's a weirdo. And what are you going to do? And I'm not trying to talk shit about his family, but she's a weirdo. And sometimes it's just that simple. But. All right, let's get into it. Um, this next one, please let us know what happens with that. So I want to see if she says something else to you. I mean, to, to make remarks about someone else's body is just very inappropriate in any way, in any way. You know, if someone's gained weight, if someone's lost weight, if they had surgery, whatever, if it's unwarranted, keep your opinion to yourself because everyone has their own shit about their bodies that they're not crazy about whether it's your boobs or your butt or your skin or your belly or whatever. It's like, we all have our shit, mind your damn business and get your nose out of my butt. Okay. Okay. So this one says, I wasn't even a good girlfriend. Why is this happening? Hey, Carly, I need some of your wisdom for context. I'm 24 and currently talking to someone early stages, but I'm excited slash hopeful. A few weeks ago, I noticed on Instagram that my ex-boyfriend posted that he was moving to New York City from Philadelphia. We dated five years ago, only for a few months. In my perspective, it's not that serious. I was 19. How serious could it really be? He was much more into that 
than I was and was very upset when we broke up. I'm talking sobbing, crying all over campus, having a handful of tantrums. He was really a good person, but I think he's just too optimistic to a point of delusion and probably thought our little brief dating was much more than it actually was. I never regretted breaking up with him. I've only ever wanted the best for him. No hard feelings. Two years ago, he messaged me on Instagram saying, I come to New York for work sometimes. Let's get drink. Let's get drinks sometimes this year. Truly one of the funniest questions ever, because how do you stay that you're busy for a whole year? I responded with, hey, I've been talking to someone. I'm not sure if that's such a good idea, but if you ever need recommendations in the city, let me know. Now, that was partially a lie. By talking to someone, I actually just had a crush on someone and really exaggerated to get rid of him. That's fine, girl. You don't need to be telling him the truth. He's not your boyfriend. He then got a new girlfriend shortly after, and they just broke up within the last few months. Anyway, it's now been two years since that, and he's now posting about moving to NYC. So I reached out to ask about his move and to just say, hi, what's up? It turns out that he got a new job in my industry doing the same thing that I do. So we'll run into each other quite often. He asked if we could get a drink. And I said, yes, thinking it was a platonic ask. It's now been a long time. We're older and we work together. So in my mind, it seemed like a mature thing to do. This hasn't happened yet. And I've been away. However, about a week ago, he started messaging me a bunch of crazy things on Instagram and over text. I think he was very drunk. It's now more apparent that it's not a platonic. It's not platonic on his end. He was just saying weird things like, why don't you want to have fun with me? You hate fun. I bring the fun. Oh my God. Girly. He did not say that. He said, I bring the fun. (laughs) And I hate, I hate to be mean. I hate to be mean, but this guy does not fuck. There's no way he's good at it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He doesn't. I I just am in, I'm in shock. I'm in shock. He really said, I bring the fun. (laughs) He's a guy that goes to a wedding and he does raise the roof the entire night. I can't with that. Oh my God. Okay. So he said, I bring the fun. When can we get drinks? And then he repeated when like six times, truly hilarious. Like, what are you talking about? Side note, those messages were a comment to my Instagram story, which was a picture congratulating my sister on getting engaged. Like, what is going on? Anywho, I'm not sure what to do. I don't want to lead him on, but I was hoping to see him. uh, I was hoping to see him before we start running into each other at work. I also partially want to use this new guy as an excuse not to see him. I also used that excuse two years ago. I don't know how to go about this because he is so sensitive and those messages were a bit concerning. Help me prevent the drama while I can. Also, I'm a huge fan and I got tickets to the city winery show in October. Oh, thank you so much. I'm literally leaving my aforementioned sister's engagement party for it. I can't wait. Oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, okay. See, this is tough. And what I hate about this is that he's working with you. That's what I hate about this. Because you don't want to go into a situation where it's going to make your life harder at work, right? To me, I would just straight up say to him, girl, and I, and sometimes we just have to be, we have to be this way. 
Don't feel bad for him. Don't worry about, oh, is this going to make me look like a bitch? Here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to send him a message saying something along the lines of, hey, I thought enough time had passed after we had broken up that we could have a platonic hangout. But now I don't feel after the messages you sent me last week, I don't feel that's possible anymore. And I don't feel comfortable with us hanging out because it seems like it's a romantic thing for you. Um, I am seeing somebody right now. I'm dating him. I'm very happy. And I wouldn't like it if this was done to me. So I'm going to have to say, I don't think it's a good idea if we hang out because obviously we're not past that point. And, you know, you word that however, which way you want to, that's just me off the top of my head. But what we're going to say at the end of the email is, I hope this isn't going to be a problem for us with work. Period. Do you think this is going to be a problem for us with work? I don't want this interfering with my work. Do you think I, we need to address this issue head on at work? Period. Meaning, do I need to tell my gosh darn supervisor that this man wants to marry me? And he's direct messaging me on my Instagram stories 400 goddamn times saying, I bring the funds or go to jail. Go to jail, babes. We don't need you here out on the outside. We need you locked away. All right. I bring the fun. How about you bring yourself to jail? Okay. Because you deserve that. You deserve a lifetime sentence for that, for that phrase alone. I mean, to me, that'll get him fired from the damn job. But anywho, yes, I think that that, um, I think that that's your option. You got to face it head on. Don't do this thing where I know women, we, we always kind of feel like we have to do this thing where, oh, well, I don't want to look like a bitch. No, no, I don't care if I look like a bitch. At, at some point in life, you just give that whole thing up because you realize no matter how nice you are and, and no matter how much you let people walk all over you, it, everyone still thinks that we're bitches. So people are always going to think I'm a bitch. I might as well just be one. But I don't think that's a bitchy thing to do. I think you're getting to the point. You're addressing the fact that you were cool with this before you knew that he wanted something a little bit more romantic. Um, And you bring up work and say, hey, don't fuck with the don't fuck with my job now. Okay, you psycho rat. That's probably what I would say to him. But anywho, you guys, we're going to do that fuck, marry, kill that somebody sent in before, I believe, and I don't have it right in front of me, but I think it was whiskey. What was it? Whiskey, beer, vodka. If that wasn't it, this is my uh, remix of that. So here's the thing. I hate liquor. Uh, I would probably kill whiskey because to me, it's just something that I can't imagine um, really ingesting and enjoying. I, I drank whiskey once at a work function when I was way underage and I worked at a hair salon and I threw up into a forever 21 bag that had one, my friend's brand new clothes in it. So I'm going to kill that. I'm going to kill that memory. I'm going to kill that, you know, legacy. I guess I'm marrying beer and I'm fucking vodka because beer, I would drink every single day. I'll never get sick of it. I love beer. I love a good, I love a good beer. I love Mexican beers, Modelo, Pacifico, 
um, Coronas, you know me, anything light, anything light. I don't like IPAs. IPAs, I'd rather just eat a fucking driveway because they taste like tar. Anywho, so I'm going to fuck vodka because it feels a little bit more frisky, right? Feels a little bit more frisky, killing whiskey and marrying beer for sure. And I love you guys. And I will see you all next week. Um, Yeah, you can send in questions to secretkeepersclub at gmail.com. I love you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.